Hey everybody, welcome to the 48th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin. I will be the Sorcerer Supreme through this magical mystery tour through the metaverse that is our final episode of our Wanda Distanced miniseries, of course, covering Disney Plus's uh, critically acclaimed and mega popular series, WandaVision. I am joined, as I am every episode, minus one, by a future man cave enthusiast, Mr. <laughs> Al Manorino. What's going on, buddy? Nothing much, bud. Yes, definitely man cave enthusiast. Currently uh, designing uh, our new house. Well, figuring out what we want to do with the new house. And uh, we closed this week. Super excited. And uh, can't wait to start, you know, planning out the, the uh, you know, the, the man cave. The Pretty pumped. Sal gets a say over in the new house. Literally the only aspect of the house. God bless you. Yeah. We are joined, as we have been throughout this series, by two of our favorite people, the unofficial third and third and third A host of this entire podcast series. Uh, they come for us from the sunny state of California. They are not escaping L.A., but I just wanted to make a John Carpenter reference and a Kurt Russell reference for Mr. Cole Rothacker, who apparently we're both huge Kurt Russell fans, I found out this week. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I have uh, a record that Kurt Russell recorded when he was 19. There it is. Oh, my. First off, we are looking at a, a cover, uh, a record with Kurt Russell. I, putting it as a 19-year-old with it just perched on two trees, uh, two tree limbs there. Uh, yeah. made from Circa, compu the computer that wore tennis shoes. Because Kurt Russell was a Disney kid, guys. Yeah. I, I, I found that the week that, like... Uh, Guardians 2 came out, so I had to buy it. It was like 20 bucks. It was, a, it was pretty much a steal, I would say. And he sang Sugar Sugar on it. Uh, I hope it's on Spotify because I am. We are going to do a deep dive on that record one day. Maybe. It's, it's on YouTube somewhere, I'm sure. And of course, she is, uh, I'd say, the undisputed queen of this podcast. Uh, the Pop Breaks music editor, Kat Manos. Welcome back for your 400th. And we're not, you've been on this podcast more times than we've had episodes, so welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy I could defy logic, physics, and all sense of understanding to be on more podcasts than we have. Kind of like the episode we just watched. I was just going to tie that in, and I'm glad you did it before I did. Yeah. Because uh, you said it way more smoothly than I did. And we are joined by a very special guest. Of course, you may remember him from earlier episodes in this series, as well as being the resident guest on our Mando and Music miniseries from the end of 2020. The man with the most exquisite name in the world, Mr. Ken Graham-Pierre, host of the new exchange with Ken Graham-Pierre. Welcome back, buddy. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, this is really, really awesome. Uh, yes, and we did get a, a, a visual cameo before the podcast started of your dog, who you've you've name dropped a number of times on this podcast. <laughs> yes, the lovely Diego. He turns three in a couple. Oh, next week. Oh fuck. Yeah, next week he turns three years old. 
Wait, if you ever have kids, you will have the same reaction to when their birthdays are. Yeah, my kid's like, oh, shit, their birthday's next week. Ah, forgot <laughs> about that. So Just course, like my dad. Oh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast took a dark turn. Uh, but, but, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, gosh. Oh, I'm going to avoid everything. I'm my thinking. dad is still alive, by the way, anyone. Anyone listening who thinks my dad might be dead, he's alive. Don't worry. We are here, of course, like I said, this is the Wanda di- the conclusion of our Wanda Distance miniseries. Uh, we are recording. The, you'll hear this. Well, it's weird. We're not going to have a Wanda Vision episode this week. But, you know, oh. coming soon, we'll have a Falcon and Winter Soldier episode. Soon enough. So, and we will be covering the first two episodes on a future podcast. So, but let's get into our first segment of the podcast, which is uh, previously on WandaVision or last week on WandaVision, because I can't remember segment names, which is, uh, you know, a common theory for all our mini our review series. The episode is titled The Series Finale. So I guess spoilers right there. We're not going to get any more episodes. Maybe. We'll talk about that after this. Now, the episode is Agatha attempts to take Wanda's chaos magic, but is interrupted by the vision. Well, but not the vision we all know. It's the white vision that was created by Sword. He tries to kill Wanda before her conditional vision intervenes. The two visions fight throughout Westview, while Agatha frees the residents of Westview from Wanda's control. Pleading with Wanda, they convince her to open the barrier. She stops when Vision and the twins begin to disintegrate, but not before Hayward and Sword enter Westview. Monica frees, quote-unquote, Pietro, who is actually actor Ralph Boner from Agatha's Control, and then helps the twins stop Sword. Vision restores New Vision's memories. Wanda places magical runes around the barrier that prevent Agatha from using her magic, and Wanda traps her in Westview as Agnes. Wanda says goodbye to Vision and the twins before collapsing the barrier and then goes into hiding. In a mid-credits scene, Hayward is arrested while Monica is informed by a scroll that a friend of her mother's wants to meet. In the final post-credits scene, Wanda is studying the Darkhold in astral form when she hears the twins cry for help. I apologize for how that was written. I actually read everything correctly. That is how Wikipedia structured that. I would not have done it that way. So, guys, let's start with the actual episode title itself, the series finale. We touched upon this on the last episode, but I just wanted, after we've seen what we saw, such an insightful statement, Mm -hmm. after viewing the finale do we think this is the series finale of wandavision ken i'm gonna start with you yeah i think it is i think they took it as far as they could go and i also think what's a great achievement about the series overall is that it proved that you could take side characters that are not established within you know the context of the movies and expand and make people care about them so yeah, I think when you consider like where things are now, it doesn't make sense to like have another series. I mean, as it stands now, maybe that would change in the future, but I'm fine with this being just like a its own contained story. Let's take it to the West Coast. Uh, Cole, I know we've talked about this before, but you know, just based on what you saw in the finale, do you think this is an apropos uh, episode title? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there will be a season two of WandaVision. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they showed up in future shows that we're not aware of, although we we have learned pretty much most of the shows they're going to be making in the next several years, so it, it'd be I'd be surprised if they announced like something new in the next year or so. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's clear that there's, you know, it's going to continue on into Dr. Strange and into the movies and, um, you know, probably just the show itself, uh, is I would say done. Uh, you know, I don't really know how you can take the premise of it, which is that they're living in a sitcom world. I don't really know how you continue it or, or do it again, uh, kind of just with the way they've left things. So I, I think that's it. Cat, some people have, uh, posited a theory or just like a fun exercise that what if they did a season two down the road where they just go through prestige dramas where somehow Wanda's in courtroom dramas or in Mad Men or the Sopranos and or stuff like that would you be like ah, that's a pretty clever idea or are you like please god no look I'm not gonna lie if <clears throat> If Vision is throwing back whiskey sours with Don Draper, I'm fucking <laughs> there. Like, 100%. Um, do I think that will happen? No, unfortunately. I I feel like it was really clear from the beginning that this was a really contained story with a beginning, middle, and end. And I feel like we, we saw that. We're not going to have a season two of WandaVision because... WandaVision, the television show within the television show, was only, like, six episodes or something. So. Yeah, they also said it's been canceled. Yeah, Wanda canceled it herself. So, yeah, I think, I think this is the end of this particular storyline. But that doesn't mean we're not going to see Agatha again. Doesn't mean we're not going to see White Vision, question mark, where'd he go? Um, I think we might even see those kids again. So, yeah, it's interesting. Uh Alphonse? Uh, I just was... I, I literally stopped listening because all I could think of was Vision reenacting the pizza scene from Breaking Bad. Um, <laughs> I just thought that would be phenomenal. Um, no, I, I think, yeah, I, I agree with everyone. I don't think we get a, a WandaVision season two as much as that um, prestige drama idea is a great one. I think what Ken said about you know, taking two, you know, underdeveloped, I guess, characters within the MCU, two side characters that didn't get, you know, all of the attention during the, you know, first 10 years, I guess, of the MCU proper is such a great concept. And like, this is the perfect platform to do that. And it's not only, you know, just like, hey, here's content for you guys. It's like, hey, here's really, really good, interesting content with people that, you know, you may have liked from the movies, but didn't get their time to shine like that's why i think i'm so excited about you know falcon uh yeah, falcon right. winter soldier because that's two characters that i loved from those movies that every time they were on screen i was either interested in or like laughing my ass off and i'm like this is going to be you know the mcu buddy cop comedy that i've been waiting for so like i'm i'm, I'm really interested in seeing that and then they're also just going to expand the MCU proper with characters we've never seen before. So it's looking good. We don't need a WandaVision season two. We're going to get it in some different capacity. We're going to get, you know, as, as Cole said, Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness, like 
they really, really set that up incredibly well in the in the series finale of this show. So I don't think we'll get season two, but we're going to see these characters again, like definitely. That brings us to our next segment, which we break down the episode itself called uh, There's Something Wrong Here, Wanda. Let's start with the man himself. Let's start out with White Vision. Uh, what did we think? Now, White Vision, I remember when uh, the first time I was ever introduced to the character via Marvel cards in 1990, and then West um, issues of West Coast Avengers was... Um, West Coast Avengers number 45. Uh, yeah, I don't remember the numbers, man, but I know first I had West Coast Avengers. of White Vision. Um, so... What do we think of White Vision, both from an aesthetic standpoint and what we saw? Let's go into the Ship of Theseus um, scene we had. Uh, I'll, I'm just going to give my thoughts real quick. I thought there was like something kind of off about White Vision, just in his face. He looked a little too demonic, <laughs> like he belonged in the movie Prometheus a little bit. He um, looks like that... that- Redheaded kid from a Christmas story. What? <laughs> what is he saying? Yeah. Uh, the kid who Wait, eats a puppy? Yeah, he looked like him. Fargus? <laughs> you knew the name? There's the list in Jake's song called Scott Farkas Takes It on the Chin. That's how I know it. Um, it's also on all the time. Um, oh my god. So, Okay. Wow, 15 minutes. It only took 15 minutes for it just oh, to go yeah. off the rails. Uh, no, that was so on the rails. The, well, the rails are completely electrified right now. Um, <laughs> this is a runaway train. Uh, yeah, so besides looking like Scott Farkas, um, shit, I could not get, unsee that now. Uh, <laughs> it is, I liked. I sort of liked the white vision. I thought it was like, I, I, like from a aesthetic standpoint, I felt like there was something a little off, like it, like his features weren't defined properly as regular vision was, uh, probably on purpose. But I don't know, something's still throwing me off. So every time he talked, I'm just like, oh, God, I just feel like you're going to spit out souls or something like that. <laughs> just weird things like that that go through my head. But I did like the introduction of him and the conclusion of him that he was kind of awoken to not being just a weapon for sword that we're going to, that also gives us hope that we're going to see vision in future movies and future shows. And, uh, but still a big question mark on what type of vision we're going to be getting, because while he was awoken to those memories, he is not, you know, he didn't get anything from Westview, the Westview vision. We didn't see any of those clips go through his head. Um, so I'm very intrigued to see where vision goes. That's my take on it. Uh, Al, let go to you just to try to mix it up a little bit. Your thoughts on white vision. Yeah, absolutely. I thought the execution of it was pretty solid. You know, I think going into the finale, I, I didn't expect such a philosophical approach to that. Like, I, I honestly thought it was like, you know, one vision was going to kill the other vision to just get an emotional reaction from... Wanda. I think that's, I never really thought it would have the ending that it did and, and how it basically set up for, ver, uh, you know, Vision 2.0 in the MCU. You know, Vision's not dead. You know, the, the Vision that we saw die 
has been resurrected, but is not the same vision. It's a never, you know, it's the next evolution of him, right? So I thought that execution was great because if it wasn't for that, I think that would be that little bit would have been the not worst part of the finale, but just like maybe just most like uh, predictable. So I, I, I like the way that they they kind of you know rerouted it in that little uh, library um, confrontation. So I, I was a fan. Cat. Um, <clears throat> I have to say, as a former philosophy major, I got very excited when they started talking I, about. My best friend is a philosophy major, and he he texted me. He's like, I could have watched that scene for seven hours. Yes, it will be studied in future classes. I got so excited that the moment one of them was like, ah, the ship of Theseus, and I immediately turned to Cole. I was like, I've told you about this. It's like the wooden plank. Do you remember? Like, this is something I've like brought up. I got very, very excited. And I thought it was so brilliant because you have basically two computers who are of equal strength and have equal powers and everything. How are they going to outpower each other? The only way to do it is to outlogic each other. So I thought that that was so wonderful and really great. And I love that it also happened in a library. I felt like it was like really perfectly kind of offsetting, like the nightmare that was happening outside with um, uh, Agatha and Wanda. Um, I will say the the only thing I didn't love about it was when they both agreed like, ah, yes, uh, neither of us are fully the true vision, blah, blah, blah. The once uh, white vision had the memory, the memories of the other vision implanted. He immediately was like, okay, bye. And then he left and I'm like, wait. Wait, is he coming back? He said, I am Vision, and then he left. And then he left. And he literally, as the youth say, yeeted himself out of there. <laughs> and I was so confused. I'm like... Oh. You guys are killing it right now. I mean, so Scott Farkas yeeted it, and like... <sighs> and my whole thing was, is anybody going to tell Wanda? Does Wanda know that, like the memories of her lover are flying in a white body somewhere. Like, I guess, I guess that scene's over. It was like, they didn't know how to end the scene. Um, didn't seem to know how to end. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, I loved, I loved that scene. Yeah. It was just, I feel like it ended very abruptly. I feel like you just created a new less than Jake song called Scott Fargo's yeeted. (laughs) (laughs) Taking it back. We'll call back. Ken, please, do your thoughts on White Vision. Yeah, I really liked it, especially that scene in the library. I felt it was really true to Vision as a character, not just White Vision, where when you read comics where Vision is in it, he always finds a way to utilize logic after, you know, some physicality. So I really love seeing that conveyed. I also found it weird the way that scene ended because it is a thing where... For as much as Wanda is, like, enthralled with the vision she created, I mean, I'm pretty sure if someone were to, like, you know, just kind of tap on the shoulder, like, hey, you know, that vision's actually alive now. He's kind of, you know, fucked up in the head, but he's actually been revived. I think that would would have changed the course of everything, which makes me think that it's uh, they obviously set him aside for, like, some future plans. But just the way he flew out of there, it's, like, contextually, it's, like, now you have to explain where he went and why. Because now it's just, like, wait, you just 
flew into the sky and that was it. Where yeah, go? that's the thing. It's just like yeah, it's like where is he? And I'm sure in some movie we'll just find him just standing in space somewhere, just thinking. Yeah, maybe they'll do a Doctor Manhattan and he'll be like in Mars just chilling. Mm-hmm. Be, it, it was, it's a reoccurring. What, how they handled his character is like a reoccurring theme of the episode was they didn't know what to do with them, so they just appeared and then didn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, go up into space and become the Silver Surfer. I was going to say, he's just chilling uh, with Rad up there, just like, whatever. Imagine. I mean, I mean, they already made him, they already changed his origin so much, it wouldn't surprise me. It would be insane. <laughs> If he has visions, memories, doesn't that also imply that he has visions, feelings? Like, mm-hmm. doesn't White Vision also love Wanda? Yeah, but he's probably like Fuck. very upset about what she's done. I feel That's, it's almost like a like a overload of like like a brain dump, like like the amount of that he like got hit with. I think he just was like gonna go robot process them somewhere. And then at the same time, too, I feel like if he stayed around and hung out, it would take away yeah. from the emotional impact from losing the Westview vision. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I think that's right. But, you know, but I totally, I like, totally agree. A clutch a, scene where you ha- you would have had Vision and Silver Surfer hanging out, just hanging ten, and Keanu Reeves obviously as a Silver Surfer. I mean, <laughs> make this happen, guys. Uh, Ken, you had something you wanted to add. I didn't want to move on before getting to you. No, I was just thinking like that's a really good point in terms of White Vision. I think the reason why he probably doesn't love Wanda anymore is like the vibe I got from watch- watching it is that even with the input of the memories, it was just it was only Vision with the context of the memories, but not the actual feeling. So I think going forward, it's probably going to be a situation that whatever he felt prior isn't going to be in play going forward where it's going to be just like almost like a clean slate as opposed to just picking up where they left off. So I'm going to throw this question. There is a number of inconsistencies for me in this episode. One of which was the following, and this is an open question to anyone who wants to answer my silly little, why is this happening? So we saw in the penultimate episode that Wanda created this uh, conditional vision. However, throughout the series, Hayward is tracking vision. How is that possible? Uh, it's not. <laughs> Comics? <laughs> is it the, the Mind Stone? The, 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 okay. Okay. They kept saying vibranium, like their vibranium register, like uh, like. You kept saying decaying vibranium. So, so I yeah, guess so. Does she make? Can she literally makes things? So I think that what the what it's implying is that she made a vision made up of what she thought was vision. She knew, probably yeah. knew vibranium, and then again. It is decaying because it cannot leave. You can't the hex. She, she did say at the end that he's like he's real, like that he's circuits and blood and whatever. Yeah, yeah. But she she also said within it, the hex. 
Yes. Yeah, I don't remember the exact wording, so someone jump in. But doesn't she say also that he's kind of a projection of the bit of the Mind Stone that's in her? Yes. Yes. So I thought it was because whatever Mind Stone... Waves. Plasm, I don't know, is in him as well, that that was kind of what was happening. I don't think she has like a physical piece of the mind stone in her. I think no, that's... no, no. She's not saying that, Cole. She's literally she literally says that she has part of the mind stone, whether it's in her blood or whatever that, right, whatever right. you know, exposure to it. And when did that happen? That happened that... in the flashback. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. When she's in the Hydra layer in the penultimate yeah. episode, it's the second flashback where it's in the um, it's in Loki's staff. And then she engages with it. Yeah. And also, we know from the first Avengers movie that they can track the energy from Loki's staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just going to, like, that was probably the nerdiest thing I've said in a long time. So just have to, to think about that for a minute. Um, so, yeah, it could have been them tracking the energy from the Mind Stone. Okay. Because that was something I was like, wait a second. Well, think about it. If, a projection. If, How can anyone follow if, if Wanda used her powers, right? They're not tracking Wanda's powers because the whole thing would be the powers. They're tracking the incarnation of the Mind Stone, which is Vision, within the Hex. That's it. Like, she wouldn't be registered as that Vision would be. So okay, that's what so I, I'm, I, just gonna, I'm just going to jump many a question right now and talk okay. about one of my big gripes with this series. is like They ask you to assume a bunch, but also don't want you to assume anything. It's called great television. Uh, no, it's called like I think. It's no, called- it's great television because they want you. They, this is a a show. This is a water cooler show, right? This is a mystery box show where they want each week for you to have more questions than answers. So they're doing that perfectly well. And of course, I feel like listen, I feel like the that's execution not 100% correct in my the opinion. execution could falter. We always I, everyone who says like, oh, Lost was great until like the next season. Yes. This felt like season three of Lost, where you have these amazing performances, and then the the show kept going like, "Hey, you want some mystery?" And it was almost, it was like the equivalent of being at like an ice cream shop, and I felt like I made the perfect ice cream sundae with the toppings, and like a waitress kept saying, "Hey, would you like more?" And she was hovering over me, but then she wouldn't tell me what the toppings were gonna be, and it's like, well, I'm not gonna agree to some (laughs) toppings. Fuck you, clams. I agree with everything you just said, Ken, except the season finale of season three of Lost was actually one of the greatest episodes of television ever. Because that was that was the reveal of the flash forward. Sorry, spoiler for a 10 year old show. No Um, No interest. But that. Yeah, I I, I keep thinking, like, remember how we all said this is just like Lost. Ourselves were trying to warn ourselves, but we didn't listen. Past like, it's like trying lost, to... but better. It's it's I, like lost, but I think, I think lost honestly ended a little more succinctly. Uh, yes, yes. That's I being think, very I kind. A, I think it's a tough. It's a tough way to look at it because if you think about this, how the how it, the show ended, if you really think about the finale, it did do its job in setting up future movies, and that's really all that matters is continuing the larger story at hand. Right. And they, they, all that matters, though? 
it kind of is in the in the grand scheme of things not cool. as what not really, as the viewer what really matters about the show is the emotional stuff which i think they mostly that handle. Yes. It's all the plot stuff that like falls apart. Yeah. And so one of the you know, big- we can com- we can compare it to Lost, but Lost was a six season show. This was yeah. a show with a beginning, middle, end, and the fact that they didn't have the ending quite figured out or like they changed their plans or something is like there's no excuse for that. Like it's yeah. it's just not good. I'm it's very just- so I'm very forgiving for good television though. Like so this what- is as a whole great TV. So it's like, it, I'm it was, so forgiven of it. Oh, yeah. It was a really yeah. good season of TV, but kind of the actually the one show I would compare it to is Samurai Jack, which had like an amazing fifth season and then it had an ending that was like awful. I wouldn't say this ending to the show is awful, but it does it, 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 it brings it down a peg for me, for sure. I think, I think a big reason we feel this way, because I, I think I feel a little less harsh on it overall, because for a multitude of reasons, but the big thing is like if you think about the first like three to four episodes, they did such a good job not going into any of like the typical MCU tropes and kind of like mm-hmm. they kind of showed that they don't have to utilize that formula and those tropes to begin with. And I feel like these last two episodes, even though they're enjoyable, it was just a mishmash of all the stuff we come to expect. And it's almost kind of like, oh, you could choose not to do these things, but on one way or another, there's gonna be this formula you eventually have to divert into but i will say in terms of um how i left feeling after watching the episode it was a thing where i realized that like overall if they could hit the emotional strides as well as they did then the other mcu stuff i actually don't care about as much it's almost like white it feels like white noise now because i almost feel so numb to it having existed with all this stuff for so long mm-hmm. One of the one of the major story part uh, lines and something I was like kind of like we're not going to get into Wanda just yet was a character at the end of the last episode last episode we did and the end of last episode was they're like what's your hope for the finale and one of my hopes for the finale was I just want to see a great payoff for Monica and boy did we not get any of that mm-hmm. uh, I feel like for a character I, I'm just going to go into my thing right now because I'm on a roll it's just we got we built up this character as being so important and she had literally almost no impact on the finale darcy takes out which oh darcy takes out hayward in the most unearned thing ever okay hayward was that, that, that was bad. Sarcasm, adam <laughs> okay but monica basically ties out the fiatro storyline with a boner joke Ugh. which is like come on and then has a great moment where she takes the bullets they go right through her she's showing her powers and instead of being the person who gets justice on hayward or brings hayward to justice probably a better way to say it darcy gets it and then is you know put into the role of saying the line they'll never know what you sacrificed which i will get into later and holy lord that line was so tone deaf um <laughs> let's talk about how monica's uh monica's role in this and uh, if you disagree let me know like ken i'll start with you what'd you think of monica rambo in the finale and how she was kind of uh she was kind of written into it 
I don't feel like it was the worst thing in the world, but I do feel like this is one of those MCUisms that kind of bug me. Where, you know, as you were talking just now, I was trying to think about something that could have remedied everything, and I found myself thinking about um, Get Out and how great it would have been if the best friend character in Get Out was somehow here. Because I remember watching the finale, and when she does, like, you know, the the bullets go through her. It was astounding to me that no one comments for, about it except a little kid. If you had the best friend from Get Out, he'd be like, what the fuck? You have superpowers? The fuck is that? Where do you get that from? What the shit? Yeah. You're glowing orange and shit. Uh, you know who could have said that? Even though it's not the best friend. Hayward. Yeah. Hayward reacts instead of just being like, oh, twirl my mustache. Let me get my getaway car. Yeah. He reacts to Monica's powers. Probably would have been a lot more, and then Monica gets him. You know, I think that would have worked a lot better. Yeah, I, I, I think the actress did an amazing job. Funny that Kat brought up uh, Mad Men earlier, because there's Don Draper's best secretary. <laughs> That's true. Don, we love her. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't hate it, but it definitely left a lot to be desired, and... I do think it's going to be weird when she comes up in Captain Marvel 2 and probably will have, like, an outfit and everything and flying, and I'll just be like, okay, sure. Sure. Where'd she learn to do that? I don't know. I guess before this happened. <laughs> um, uh, Al, what's your thoughts on the, the use of Monica in this finale? It's funny, because I, like, I think I half agree with, with both of you in the sense that, like, this wasn't really, like, in my mind, wasn't really supposed to be monica's payoff or whatever because we already got one like the breaking the fourth wall episode was i think her her payoff right i don't think we could have really explored it any further than that because her mission once she was back in the hex was trying to help wanda and save the town right so i didn't know what else i mean she did that she did help she saved her sons in the sense of like she was there and she barely helped ish it was really always going to be wanda um, especially setting up her fight with Ag- uh, Agatha. What I do want to say, though, is I think getting the the first, you know, the mid-credit, spoilers, obviously we're spoiling the show, but the first mid-credit, um, we get to see her um, being summoned by an agent of some sort. Uh, they go into the theater. The agent reveals herself to be a scroll. And basically, the agent saying that Nick Fury wants to speak to her in space. So I think that is something I literally said on this show is, you know, it would be great to see her almost step up and become like the next Nick Fury. Um, And now we can get an idea that not only is this going to help set up Cap Marvel 2, but it could potentially help set up Secret Invasion, another newly announced Disney Plus series. So. Say it again. I think she'll be in that for sure. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, I thought that, like, that was the quote-unquote payoff of her character in this episode. Like, that was always going to be the the grand scheme of things. It's just how are we setting her up for the future of the MCU and not just, like, you know, her her story arc really, in, in the context of the show, really ends, I think, in the Breaking the Fourth Wall episode when we get to see one of the most beautiful moments of all of the MCU and her getting her powers. So I don't think she was really necessarily cheated. I get the gripes and I, I get it. I understand this episode felt like it had way too many people involved in the, the, you know, the editing room. 
Um, and you can clearly see it in scenes, specifically that one with, you know, that and Darcy. So I get it. I understand. But at the same time, I was I didn't feel like it like ruined it for me because we get that mid credit scene. Uh, Captain Cole. Um, yeah, I mean, I was pretty disappointed with the way she was utilized in the episode. It, it just kind of felt like, you know, we begin with her like in an attic with Ralph Boner. Um, and I also love that, by the way, just just had to <laughs> say it. I, I, I'll, yeah. I, I will defend my case later. Um, and we'll get you know, next. It, it, just, it just seems like I think Monica, along with all the other kind of supporting characters we came to really like on the show, just had nothing to do. Um, mm-hmm. It seemed like Monica's big thing was freeing uh, Fietro, and that ultimately, I mean, that could have happened off screen. It, it had like no bearing on what actually transpired in the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they had her show up and defend the kids, but there was a couple problems with that. For one, it seemed like they didn't really need any defending. Uh, like they stopped the bullet themselves. So, you know, she like did a hero sacrifice, save the kids moment, but it was really kind of hollow because we know they weren't really in any danger. I mean, I mean, we knew at that point that they weren't even like real. So like, I don't even know how, he, how Hayward even thought he could kill them with a gun. Yeah, you know? this this grown man who, by the way, did not know that they were fake kids, literally shot like multiple rounds at them, and it's like, oh, yeah. oh okay. He yeah. was way too Wait. eager to do that. That was so creepy. Yeah. Two, yeah. two, two things of that. One, they, I think they presumed that everything was fake, especially specifically the kids, because they would watch well, it on Wandavision. Told her that they were real. Monica clarified. For everybody at Sword oh, and also yeah. Oh, he's just a giant piece of shit then. Sorry. Yes, you leave yeah. women. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I just <laughs> the fact that they just didn't have her be the one that take out Hayward is just that that's like I can't even comprehend that is like colossally bad storytelling. Like I think it's just more of a misdirection than anything else. Like if you expected that, you'd be like, yes, that was what's supposed to. Like I just feel like. Oh, oh, yeah. Al, Al, you are starting to sound like a conversation I don't want to bring up, but it sounds like fucking Last Jedi talk. Like they subverted your expectations. I don't give a fuck. Wait, isn't it's that the big thing? Subverting expectations. I thought. Isn't they- that the good version of the Last Jedi talk? Like when you no. like, wouldn't it be the the assholes were like they didn't do it like I said it would when I was playing I with the action figures? Is it that the shitty well, version? Okay, no. look, I I think there's a big difference between subverting expectations and just not really following through on a story. On a storyline that they created. Like, okay, if you're gonna have Darcy be the one to take out Hayward, then that should mean something. It should mean something that, like, Darcy's the one that ended up taking out Hayward instead of Monica. But it, it, it doesn't mean anything. And then Darcy's, like, out of the episode. They, they just yeah. say that she, like... Yeah, yeah. I, I think I felt Darcy being the one who did it was, like, kind of shoehorned in. Like, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I'm it, saying that, like, I don't necessarily agree that Monica had to take out Hayward. Well, I think I mean, a bunch of people had reasons to not like him. He was a well, yeah, but Monica specifically though, because one, he took over the job that um, she should have taken over. He took it over 
from her mom, yeah. uh, he started taking sword in a different direction than what her mom had like kind of established it to be. And then he's like horrible to her for the rest of the series. He tells her that she doesn't have like the guts to like, you know, do what he feels like they need to do mm-hmm. uh, in order to, you know, keep the lights on or whatever he's talking about. I mean, there's just, he even said, good thing you weren't here to see your mom die because you couldn't have handled it. Yeah, yeah, yeah but so that means just should have like pushed his shit in at the end of this episode and shown that like she can handle like some heavy stuff. And and then and then what does she do? She just ends up standing there to watch a like a clown horn joke. <laughs> it's literally a it's like honk honk joke. Yeah. It's a literally I, a part of the thing. Someone I was listening to another podcast and they had a very elegant solution to all of this. Have Darcy come in and she sees that Hayward's about to shoot the kids and like she goes to like protect them, kinda like how she went to go try and help Vision when he was in trouble. So she goes to protect the kids and then Monica steps in and stops the bullets from killing any of them. Then there's actual stakes there, and then uh, because then Darcy would get killed, obviously. But with yeah. the kids it's a little unclear because they're not real and also they're powerful, so like we're like I wasn't worried that they would get shot. I think I mean I like just, I, I told just, sorry. I get that. I'm sorry. I didn't want I didn't want to cut you off. I, I did at the end, but I get that, and it makes sense because it kind of like brings them all together. But like logically, we knew Darcy was in the truck trying to get to that location, so it makes sense. I'm not saying it's good or it was executed yeah. well with the joke or anything, but I'm saying logically. It makes sense. And you can also make the argument that you that you beautifully made about Monica's reasons to take down Hayward and why it should been why it should have happened or, you know, justify justifiably. So you can make those almost exact arguments for Wanda being the one to take him out, too. He was a giant piece of shit to her as well. And also tried to kill her and her family with a missile inside her. Right. So I'm just saying, like, there's. Like, I'm not trying to subvert anything. I'm saying, like, I, I, it just, things don't have to happen just the way that they set them up to happen because but it's I felt like their story. They can do whatever the fuck they want. It's, you know, I mean, let them fuck it up. That's true. I mean, but they did fuck it up because, like, they set up these expectations for us. Like, they, they built, there was no build for Darcy. Like, there's no big payoff for Darcy to do that. There's just a payoff logic. for Monica. Not payoff, but lo- like, but, I mean, it's set up just logic. logical for her to show up and protect the kids. It's the same exact moment, but it's like, just have her show up, like, behind, like, in a different part of the street or whatever. And she sees that the kids are being uh, about to get killed, and she goes in front of them. I mean, it's it's just as logical. And I, I think I think that entire scene is a really, really great example of. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Well, how do how do we get that other person there? Okay. Wait. We we haven't seen Darcy in an episode and a half. How do we wrap her up? Uh, fuck. Where is she? Oh, she's in the car. She'll just run through the scene, and it'll be funny. Yeah. And Monica will like do like, like a cool thing. Writers' room. <laughs> no, literally. This this is what it feels yeah. like. At no point is anyone like. What is the character motivation for this person to do this? It's more of like, how can we get the plot to converge so we don't have to shoot somewhere else? Mm-hmm. It's like everything's gonna happen in one place, 
So we can, we can have a big confrontation because that's what this is all leading to a big confrontation. Well, Jimmy Woo is not there. He's on the outside. Oh, but we'll have him make a really important phone call that literally any character could have done and didn't have to be him, but we'll make it seem like it's heroic. even though it's half-assed. Yeah. We have yeah. other character for a, an episode and a half so she's been driving around, um, you know, in circles for a whole area that may be like one square mile, but that's mm-hmm. fine. And we don't know what to do with the kids at this point because we know that they're fake, but let's bring them in so we can have like a fake The Incredibles moment because it looks cool. So much of it was like, this looks cool or we don't know what to do with them. So let's just all throw them in one scene together because it's nice to just knock out characters one at a time. You're so right too. But what's crazy is it's like they could have done things. They could have done it better, All the pieces were there. They just made the wrong decisions. And And all of this, and all of what's interesting is that all of this, like the way Kat and Cole just put it, it, it's so great because like, all of this is actually divorced of like WandaVision as an entity and it's just like writing 101 where it's like if I, I know what Al was saying before about expectations, but then it makes you retroactively go back and think of interactions Hayward and Monica had. And if you ever found yourself rewatching it, you would find yourself thinking like this doesn't mean anything now. And it's almost like yeah, it I mean, leaves it, things kind of hollow in a way. I yeah. get that, but like it, it, it's like uh we have a we have a friend of the the podcast um uh nandoverse movies who does uh, his whole concept is like one small change can drastically kind of fix the movie or the script or whatever right and honestly if you had darcy come in with the car smash into hayward's car to stop him from escaping and then have monica take him out it Mm. would retroactively yeah, like make the scene a million times better and exactly. worthwhile. You, you left I, Monica, yeah. this character you established as a pillar of the show, mm-hmm. standing as a, a spectator during, with a character that she has legitimate issues with. And that that's a big that was a big mistake. It also and, there's one not, thing I want to add okay. also that, that really adds to this conversation. I just read this today. Initially, this show was ideated, pitched, and created as being 10 episodes, but at some point in the process, unclear when the when that was, it was reduced to nine episodes. And to me, that is so completely fucking obvious watching this last episode because, to me, every single side character who wasn't Vision or Wanda in some sense was like shafted or sidelined. And I think that there's a missing episode of wrapping up all of the other side characters, but they couldn't do that because Marvel wanted to make this nine episodes instead of 10, despite what like Matt Shakeman had had done. And so they jammed it all in at the end where there's like little emotional payoff. There's little like, like try and think what is Monica Rambeau's story arc this whole show her 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 peak and her her climax happens in episode four you could say the same thing about Darcy Darcy's like greatest moment of brilliance is realizing we need an old television set that Mm -hmm. happens in episode two or three like also episode four yeah, also episode four, Jimmy Woo, who is, like, investigating and, like, going to crack open this case. Uh, by the way, um, a thing that's never paid off, who is the missing person, who cares, fuck us. Um, Jimmy Woo's whole thing is paid off by, like, solving 
a small thing in episode five. Like, there's no arc, there's no beginning, middle, and end for the side characters, which, you know, that's fine, don't do that, but we've spent so much time with them at this point that the fact that their storylines don't have, like, even a remotely satisfying arc, it makes it seem sloppy and unfinished. Yeah, and I do have to wonder how much COVID affected their filming, because I don't know, like, when they stopped and when they began, but I, I am pretty sure that the fi- all the final episode was probably done during quarantine. Yeah. This was supposed um, to air it, in the end of 2020. Yeah. Right. And it, it, I, like, it just feels like, like, just the fact that, like, Darcy vanished, Evan Peters vanished, um, and then just, we, we never saw other characters again. Like, I was really expecting to see Vision's boss. We never saw him after the first episode. Yeah. It just feels like a lot of people were suddenly gone because they probably because of COVID scheduling pretty much. Yeah. And then they probably had to write around that. It's so funny. Like the way that we're talking about this too, is just like, cause like, again, like I felt I, you know, I, I obviously had issues with the finale, but at the same time, I felt that again, these are like, you know, the characters like Darcy, for instance, has has been and, and kind of always will be a side character in the, in, in the greater MCU, right? Whether it's the Thor movies or here, I don't think she had a, I think she was, you know, um, you know, not only exposition, but she also helped just get the story like moving across, right? And helped, you know, expand the audience and the people around us, Jim, Jimmy Woo and Hayward of like, right. what the fuck is going on here, right? Like, so like her arc I didn't care necessarily about as much as I loved her as a character and thought she right, was fantastic like, and everything. Just well, she, she did like what you're saying the, is yeah. she's not she's a side character. She's there to move exposition. But you yeah. made her a huge part of the finale. You made this expositional character take out the quote unquote one of the big bads of the series. That happens all the time in the MCU where like a random side character does something important to help further the pro- like the story along. So it's yeah, like that's, that's like, like again, it's not with the MCU is that like yeah, but it's that's, someone that's, standing that's the on the timeline. You're 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 yeah. Monica is not a static character just for WandaVision. You're making her you're you've it's been said she's an important part of. We just tied her to Captain Marvel two. And uh, Secret Invasion, and if she's that, and Miss Marvel, and Miss and Miss Marvel, that's three huge movies, if not more. And you just had her standing with her mouth open while side character McGee uh, saves the day. So that's that's my problem with it. We like, get we get her payoff in season, in episode four. We get her payoff in episode four. She saves kids, and we get the setup that she's going to go to space and meet with Nick Fury. I, I'm cons- considering all of that. She had a decent ending compared to Darcy and Jimmy Woo. You know what it, you a know decent ending. You, you know what it is? I think the main issue, none of us are like, wow, fuck this show because they fucking oh. did this. At least I'm not. I think the reason that I feel so annoyed about this particular thing is because this show was so close to being great. It was so close yeah, to fucking nice. nailing it. They had like, 10 out of 10s for almost every episode. It's like like a gymnast going through the rounds. Like they fucking nail the floor thing. They nail the puddle horse. They nail all these flips and shit. And then they get to, I don't know, the uneven bars and just like fucking fail. And it's like you were so close 
to having this be great. And I want to bring up one thing you said, which is we know we, Darcy is a side character. She's never going to really be important because she's always been a side character in these movies. You know who was a side character before and wasn't important until she was? Fucking Wanda Maximoff! That's the whole point of this show, that side characters have their own story and they have their own growth. And they were so close to fucking nailing it on Jimmy Woo, so close to nailing it on Darcy, so close to nailing it with Monica. I'm not saying she needed to save the day because she'll undoubtedly save the day later. It's just so painful because if you just make two or three small changes in a scene, it's suddenly better. Like like um, Bill bringing up the point, why would Monica say something so fucking tone deaf about like, oh, well... These these people will never know what you sacrificed for them. I literally said, "Fuck you." That's that. that. And that's the yeah, other failure uh, for Monica in this episode. It's not just plot stuff. It's like the emotional payoff. Yes. The, the emotional payoff for Monica is to just be like, "They're there to Wanda." Yeah. Let, you know, she just like she's. Just I there. lost somebody too. And I couldn't say goodbye. Yeah. And, it was and she says she'd do the same thing. And I'm like, really? You you do what Wanda did? Wanda oh, okay. stops so, so. This is something I'm confused yeah. about. So, because so, I. The, that line kind of went over my head a bit in the sense that I didn't find it really off putting until I thought about it more. But it was one of those things I went on the internet and saw people seeming really upset about it. Yeah, but, that was terrible. Yeah, but I was thinking about it contextually of what we saw from Monica, like, since she was introduced, like, in this season. And am I weird for thinking that just purely in the individual individualistic context that that was something she would think? Because I guess maybe the issue is that it runs contrary to her being a hero and her caring about other people because it's so extreme what Wanda did, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I guess that's what the issue is. The, yeah. The issue for me of... Yeah. Of her saying that is is because she says it quite literally 30 seconds after we see grown adults beg for Wanda to kill them because they just want to be free from this nightmare. Yeah. She says that 30 oh, yeah. seconds after, yeah. they're like, my kids, please, just just end this. Kill me. They're, was they're Monica, for their lives. Was, it's like, was Monica in the vicinity of yeah, that? she's standing there. She, no, that part takes a little bit. No, that part takes a little bit later. She's yeah. they're begging her. That's uh, before. That's when uh, Agatha first um, when she initially uh, releases yeah. them. Uh, when she's with Fiatro. And then, I, yeah. and then, and then, and then Monica at the end when she when um, Wanda's leaving when she has her hood up. That's when they have that talk. So it's it's a little bit. It's it's not. It's I don't know. Twenty I, minutes removed in the episode, well, maybe. It's what what makes it really weird for Monica to say it though is she literally experienced what those people in the town experienced. So for her to be like, you know what, like you you really like you gave up something for them to have their freedom, even though you were the one that like did this to them, and and they'll never know. And like, it's like Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, like. Like to me, Wanda did things worse than like several MCU main villains. Like she's like, like she did something way worse than like whatever Jeff Bridges was doing in Iron Man, like building <laughs> soldiers or something. Yeah. Like this was like this was like this was an example. What? 
I was gonna say defect is an example of like when writers try to have their cake and eat it too. Because on one hand, yeah. I think it's very effective to make it so horrific that yeah. Wanda yes. that that these people are mortified by Wanda and its suffering. But it almost feels like like the writers didn't understand that by establishing that it would force us as individ as people to see Wanda differently. Because it's almost like they want you mm-hmm. to see that. Uh, occurrence, but yet still see her as heroic, and it's almost kind of like I, I don't know that like kind of. They, they were afraid of people having new, of having nuance to a character. Like if she had said, if that line had been, they'll never understand what you sacrificed. I would have done the same thing. I would have want, or she said, I would have wanted to do the same thing, but I never would have done that to people and hold and do what you did to them. You owe these people an apology or something like that saying you owe Mm -hmm. these people. And then Wanda just basically carries the line of, I don't understand what I did. I don't understand my powers. I'm sorry, but I don't get what I did. Mm -hmm. I have to go figure it out. And that's when she leaves and she takes the Necronomicon with her and she like, Uh, that's all that stuff. Like I always, it's the dark hold. Is that what it's called? Dark hold. That is such an easy fix. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, I remember there's watching so that scene. many easy fixes yeah. just to make it like, so much better, and that's why it's so upsetting. Because I actually, I actually laughed out loud when she put the hoodie on and flew away. I was kind of like, "What the you hell?" Have a car. <laughs> I thought that was just a callback to like Winter Soldier, and just everyone had to wear hoodies. Uh, I, I just the, the thing that cracked me up about that, I was just like, "Why are you walking through town, dude? You got a car? It's right in that driveway." You and she eventually her. flies away flies. anyway. So, uh, yeah, that's a good point. She eventually flies away anyway. So I, why'd you do that earlier? I, yeah, <laughs> I was like, why would you go past the people that you just pissed are, off? Are those, like, are those people going to sue her, sue her for damages? Probably. Like, like are we even now going to have, like... Ow. Like, does she have a social security? <laughs> I don't think. I like, think. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, wait. You have to know someone's social security. Why would you sue her? She's, like, not, like, a person. <laughs> Well, they're just like stores or something like person. that. They'll the government. But um, I was Wait. thinking what was going to happen was that she was going to – you have to fix this. And I was like, what happens if – okay, she's the great – you know, she affects people's minds. What happens if she just erased the last week of hell from these people's minds? Wouldn't that be generous? Because now think about this. Those people had her nightmares in their head for a week. That shit ain't leaving. That's still yeah. there. They have to process this forever. Yeah. No, I, I think it would have been a, a, a cop-out for that after how they set up, like, I guess, you know, all the instances of... Well, yeah, that's why I think that's why I think the other way would have been better, would have been like, I don't get why I did this. I don't know how right. I did this. I have to go figure it out. And that I sets that up... Just, I mean, I, I, I don't think she gave a shit, A, and I think that's bad writing, be, but I think yeah, I, I totally agree on that. But I, I think the way that they quote unquote did it or executed it, like Monica didn't see the, the extent of what had happened, so it's just no, almost. He like, did. <clears throat> the audience did. No, she would have. No, 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 but she would have because she was in there. She was under the in there, but she wasn't in there as long. And I'm thinking that this is like those people who had been there. It it, it felt like an eternity or something. Again, this is all just like how I interpret it. Right. So her saying that was like her supposed to be like, you know, 
I, I'm the only one here that understands you because of the grief that I have been through sure. as well. And I've literally just watched you lose your quote unquote family. Right. I get that aspect, but I totally agree that they could have done it a little better, but I just don't know necessarily how I, I do. I like your idea, I Bill. I just, I, how you, do it. you did. But at the same time, I don't think that I think erasing their memories would have been fucked no, up. No, no, I'm just saying like that could have been. Yeah, that's, that, that's where I expected it to go. I'm one glad that, that I'm glad, but I feel like they were afraid to have a little gray area with her. But and then what was she gonna do? Like she's she's already been kind of labeled as like a villain within the heroes, right? Yeah, she, you know, I, everything that happened with Lagos. I think that she just does not feel like. Like not only not wanted, but just not like she doesn't fit in with them, and that's I why think, her losing. I think this so is going to be hyper. Important. I think this is going to be hyper intentional because if you think about what was established in uh, uh, Civil War in the context of like you know the the Sokovia Accords and all that, and like the discourse amongst whether or not we have heroes and not shouldn't have heroes. If you think about what follows after that with Infinity War and Endgame, it's almost like the like Mar- the Marvel writers put themselves in a corner where publicly people probably wouldn't find themselves thinking less of heroes after that. So now it's almost like they have to find a way to redirect that course where we need to set the tone that not everyone's into this hero thing. And I feel like that's where the intention is, where this is going to stack up. And if they ever bring in the X-Men, you need that kind of parameters for them to exist where like not everyone's for this. So I almost think like that's where they're eventually trying to lead things into potentially. Let's talk about mutants. Uh, uh, so, and how it ties into the hashtag Fiatro storyline. Uh, so we, we find out one of the, I think one of the more subtle reveals we got in this, in the series was who Agatha's uh, mysterious husband, Ralph was, and that is Ralph Boner actor lounge about i didn't even make that connection until right now i'm so upset with myself that's what happens when you only watch the episode once oh, that's depressing uh, so i don't know if i came up with that on my own or someone mentioned that to me alex might have our, our series reviewer might have mentioned that to me but yeah ralph is ralph is ralph boner uh, and so, earlier on she made a bunch of sex jokes oh my god oh shit i didn't put that yes in the like yeah. first couple uh, episodes yeah, yeah that just really that really Oof. That's, cold. That's cold water on a lot of stuff right there. Um, yikes. But how do we feel about the Fiatro storyline? Now, <clears throat> I'm going to bring up, uh, I'm going to butcher a theory Alex gave to me was, while he didn't like the how it wrapped up with a boner joke, that the casting of Evan Peters was a, re- a really well done piece of misdirection because we needed to we know of Evan Peters as Pietro in the X-Men universe and it's kind of playing with is like it plays with our perception of Wanda's control like is she did she make this did she not make this is that you know puts a lot of uh, question into things uh, I'm do, I'm butchering the theory here but it questions a lot because we've we know of Pietro from another universe as Evan Peters portraying him does the how did you guys feel that this wrapped up and does it change your opinion of the, in, in, the use of the fake Pietro within the series? So Ken, I'm going to start with you. Hate, 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 hate. I couldn't hate it more. 
Jesus Christ. That the second they did that, I I don't think I could have grown more. And it's like I think that reveal happens either 25 or 30 minutes into the show, but I remember when that scene played out. I had the actual thought in my brain that regardless of what transpires next, I'm not going to be able to say I love this series. Because it's just, in my opinion, like even though there is some brilliance in playing with people's perceptions in the context of Wanda as a character, it's just so cheap. Like, just don't even have them there. Like, I was just... just uh, it's just... You know what? I'll say this. If they never did it in Iron Man 3, I probably would feel a little different about it in the context of just like it being a different approach to redirect, but knowing that it's something they've done before, it's just, I hate it. Hate, so much hate. Hate it more. I think it borders close to how much I hate Hitler. It's like almost there. It's like Hitler, it's kind of like Hitler and this. They're kind of neck and neck. It's just so much hate. So much hate. Uh, I'm just going to say, hated the fact we wrapped this storyline up with a dick joke. Just yeah. gonna put it out there. Someone who's told they like I feel like they went back to 1996. They found me and they said, "Write the end of this." And I said, "Boner joke." <laughs> and, and but, however, I I don't think like as bad as that ending was. I I still really enjoyed Evan Peters in this series. I thought his performance was excellent. And I did like his inclusion in this. Um, I did like the fact that they played with our expectations a little bit. But the the way they wrapped it up was just hot garbage. Uh, but I don't think it ruins it for me, the Pietro storyline. I don't think that ruins it at all for me. So, Al, I'm going to do you next. Yeah, I think I agree with Bill. You know, I, again, I was some, someone who was a big advocate of this is a great way, quote unquote, to you know, kind of at least hint at the mutants. But as soon as we get the reveal that it was Agatha all along Q song, um, <laughs> it made sense. Like it really did. Like, and the way that they, you know, it was just <laughs> the guy that it was living in Westview. She literally like took over his house, locked him up upstairs and kept referring to him as her husband, quote unquote, um, it's almost a, it's a pretty solid cover in that aspect. The fact that he was like, um, like a, I guess like a wannabe actor because of the headshots. That was what I was getting from there. Um, I thought I thought you know I didn't care for the boner joke, but it also didn't like you know ugh this ruined it for me. Like I just thought whatever. But like as someone again who thought initially it would have been a great idea, um, I wasn't pissed. I really wasn't. I don't know. I, I understand where Ken's coming from, but like, I think this just means that we're going to get a better introduction of the X-Men. I really do. I think this is a better way because they kind of in, inadvertently set up like the the power was in her all along aspect. And I thought that's they, a kind they kept of thing. I'm not a witch. I'm not a witch. So that yeah. leaves mutant door open. Exactly. And, you know, um, I think I think yeah, it just opens up the door for a better mutant reveal or or setup of some sort. Um, I, I don't know. That's that's how I feel. I, I agree with that. from California. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, the way I f- the way I feel about the whole theater thing. Oh. Oh, God, sorry, our cat just like went rogue. Monroe uh, has. A- Monroe, Monroe has thoughts about Pietro. Yeah. <laughs> tell you something about Pietro. Did I did not care for it one bit, sir. 
Um, okay, picking up where I, where I was saying. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's complicated because when they introduced Evan Peters, my first thought was like, I think he's just a random guy in Westview that uh, they're having pretend to be Pietro. Yeah. And like that was my initial thought, but then my second thought was like, no, they wouldn't do that. That would be fucking lame. <laughs> and and it turns out it's exactly what they did. I guess I'm kind of with you, Al. Like I'm kind of trying to see the bright side of it, as it were. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like because even though I wasn't I wasn't sure of what was going on with Pietro, I, I never quite bought into the theory that a lot of people had that this show was going to introduce mutants. Cause I think that's just such a, that's such a big thing to introduce so a show like that. Like that, As- like to make it the secondary thing in a weird show about sitcoms and witches and stuff, just never like that never clicked in my head for me. So I'm, so I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad they, they didn't like waste, the, the introduction of mutants as like a subplot in a show, you yeah. know? And also I, I'm, I'm pretty okay with Marvel just doing like a hard reboot of all the X-Men characters. Like I would actually like to start seeing totally new people in those roles. I'd like to see like how they would work in this world. I don't really want them to just be kind of ported over mm-hmm. from the Fox universe. Um, I, like I, I think that universe is just done. So I think it'd just be better to like start it with a blank slate um but i mean just just as ter- just as far as like just the story in the show though it, it was kind of disappointing like I, I wish if they were just gonna have him be a random westview resident they should have revealed that in like the next episode like they shouldn't have waited until the finale to reveal like what's really going on with him i mean i guess they kind of tip their hat or they they kind of show their hand in the previous episode where she calls him Fiatro and, and takes credit for him. But I guess just, you know, the final punchline of like who he is, it just, you know, it, it kind of, def- it, it kind of deflated the whole thing for me. It's funny though, because like you can, you can also, if you go back and I think the way that we're talking about this episode too, the, 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 maybe the frustration or the anger or whatever that we have, in Plus certain great. parts of this episode, Ken, right? Maybe Ken's pissed. I don't know. There's no. I, and Ken's listen, Ken, 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 Ken compared it to Hitler. So let's just talk about that. <laughs> I mean, it's, um, it's, yeah. it's funny because the way really wild comparisons to for characters. The, the way we're reacting to this, right, is the ninth episode of this long overarching story that we're gonna revisit at some point. And like, I think a lot of the things that we're talking about here now are gonna. You Not probably me. probably change or evolve, except for Ken. But like one thing you can go back to way early on was, you know, why is he showing up now at this moment where um, uh, Wanda and Vision, like Vision, starting to like unravel the mystery and all this kind of stuff, and why is he appearing this second, right? And then we literally get within that same episode, like. He re- they she recasted uh, Pietro like that could have been a big indicator of like this isn't him right and I just just like re like analyzing I guess just the you whole know, they way break their own rules there though because yeah, they showed that all the people in Westview like they were able to identify pretty much all of them they Except don't identify 
pH or the, what was that? Except for a few people, right? Isn't it a couple people? Because it wasn't Dottie one of them too? You don't yeah. identify Dottie, which that's another thing that just, that's but, another thing that bothered me in this episode. But, but, but before, before we get to Dottie, I have a question and a comment. Yeah, buddy. Go. My, my question is for Ken and really kind of for everybody who thinks that this fake out was, was bullshit. Do you think that you would be as upset about this if you didn't know that the next film coming out after this was subtitled The Multiverse of Madness? Well, that's that's the thing, because Kevin Feige said, like, this was setting up multiverse. Stuff, exactly. But it doesn't really. I think exactly. I think I still... I think I still would be upset because of because uh, within that context, the Fox X-Men still ex- exist. So there would right. be some implication of having Evan Peters there. And it's just it just it takes away this from the story for me. And like as we're talking now, it just made me think like something that really is disappointing and kind of is glaring is like after that Halloween episode, um, he fails to like exist and have any presence in the context of Wanda anymore. And then if you think about, like, how much Pietro meant to her, it's just, even though she might have been like, oh, this is fake, it just, it's weird how you have this character that beyond maybe one or two interactions didn't have any real impact. So when I consider that with the fake out, it's just like, why even have him? Like, it's just kind of... No, that's that's exactly the the comment I was gonna make. So you you brought up what they did in Iron Man three, and fun fact for anyone listening, controversial opinion. I think Iron Man three is one of the best MCU movies ever, and it's I incredible. Wrote about it on the site. I did. I wrote about that on the site. Everyone could go read and be mad. That's um, why I'm friends with Kat. The, the the fake out in that movie is the expectation that the Mandarin. Um, a terrorist who has killed people and continued uh, to kill people in the movie is played by a quote-unquote Middle Eastern-looking man who is from the Middle East and talks about how the West is terrible and wants to drop bombs on them and everything. And the movie subverts that expectation by saying, actually, the real terrorist is a very uh, rich white American man who has secretly been pulling all the strings the whole time. And that actually has a point. It's making a point that you assumed that the terrorist was going to be this Middle Eastern looking guy who's saying shit but in reality it's just this like rich white guy who sucks that has like heavy implications and is a good example of a fake out of like yeah we had a lot of uh, we assumed that it was this person because of all those things yeah however the fake out in this show uh, what was the purpose uh, other than like, uh, it's it's like oh you thought it was quicksilver well it's not you fucking idiot exactly exactly the, the whole thing i was like yeah, he thought we were doing some multiverse shit. Why the fuck would you think that? Oh, oh, we do have a movie coming out about the multiverse, and this show yeah. actually sets it up. But you thought that that's what that was? Yeah, You're may, a fucking may, idiot. Maybe we'll do X Men stuff in the multiverse movie. I don't know, you fucking dipshit. You'll go pay whatever we put out there. I, I quite, yeah. I almost rage. Like, I, we have the Apple TV, and I almost rage pressed that menu button to just turn the episode off. I was like, what is... No. Stop. Because from that, from that point on, and I'm, I'll, be, I'll say this, I'm glad I didn't, because overall I liked the episode. But when that scene happened, I just expected ten more stupid things to happen. Wait, you know what would have been, been cool? Bill, like you said, like, uh, Alex was arguing that 
it, it put some doubt into us in addition to like Wanda. So we weren't really sure. Totally fair point. You know what would have really, really, really put doubt in us? A payoff. You make Aaron Taylor Johnson play that part. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Him. yeah. Tell me one good reason why Aaron Taylor Johnson couldn't have played that part. It would have been incredible. Probably didn't want He's to. not busy. No. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been amazing. He was just he was he was still uh he was still uh getting uh, jacked for tenant while they were making it. Um but let's move on to tenant? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, like <laughs> he's all beefed up. He's the dude at the end. That's what uh, he, he didn't see it. Well, clearly, like, not a clearly didn't see Tenet. Well, that's oh, not a spoiler, by the way. You won't recognize him. I was I was waiting for you know Chris Nolan kept saying theaters are gonna reopen. You're fine, and I was like I'm just waiting for it to come out, and you know it's been like a year. It's all uh, it. No, I know. I was just fucking with Chris Nolan for uh, sticking to movie theaters when in the middle of a goddamn <laughs> pandemic. Let's um, let's move on to I think something we could all agree that we all were really into. This is uh, a downer fest, fucking no, no, <laughs> two thousand eight. So let's talk about let's talk about this. Let's talk about Wanda's arc in this whole thing. Um, let's talk about one. We'll talk about her her brawl with Agatha and then her final emotional payoff. And obviously, this is going to be a longer episode because this is the series finale. So we want we got a lot to wrap up. For me, I'll just do real quick. I thought the fight, uh, the stuff, the the action sequences with Agatha were. I really enjoyed them a lot. I thought there was some, there was a little bit of handholdy stuff with like where she's talking about the Necronomicon and what it does and blah blah blah. It's just like, looking here's the chapter you're in. And it's just like, okay, I get it. Like you got to explain it a little bit. But um, I loved when they um, Agatha turns the tables on her inside her own mind when they go back to Salem. I thought that was a very very cool scene. And the payoff with the runes in the sky, I thought was, uh, I thought like, I thought I would hate it, but I actually really liked it. And I really enjoyed that payoff of her keeping Agatha around. That was something I had hoped. I'm like, oh, I don't want them to dispense of her. They kept her around. And of course, only Catherine Hahn could hit, hit okie dokie artichokey and not make it sound like the worst line in history. In regards to uh, Wanda's emotional finale, it was great. It was absolutely awesome. I think the scene that really broke me as a parent was when they say goodnight to the kids and they see the hex is closing and the boys within a matter of minutes will be gone. I thought I was like that really that really got the, that got a couple tears out of me. And I really liked that we got a nice emotional finale, a final moment. Well, a, a, a goodbye for now, basically, between Wanda and Vision, I thought. Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen, I think the constant of this series has been no matter how much we can criticize, and I think rightfully so, this episode or any other episode, those their performances elevate and save yeah. episodes. They're yeah. fantastic. So I'm, I'm going to kick it to California. So you guys, uh, what was your thoughts on the Wanda fight and the Wanda cry? I couldn't think of uh, something that <laughs> the, fight, the fight and the Wanda fright. <laughs> the, the fight and the fright. Um, I thought that the fight was interesting. I was engaged. I didn't know where it was going. And I liked that there was kind of a payoff from the previous episode of Wanda, like using Agatha's own trick against her. I thought that was really cool. Um, 
And also while it was happening, I was very consciously thinking of like, you know what? I didn't even really need a big fight for the show, but I understand that we have to have one because this is a superhero show. So it's fine. Um, I love that they didn't kill Agatha. I want her to come back again. I think almost certainly she will. They're basically just putting her on ice for a little bit, um, which is fine. As for um, the ending, truly, I never in my life thought I would say this, but it really says something that a Marvel property can basically call up really similar moments and themes as Lars von Trier's Melancholia. I mean, Jesus. Oh God, I didn't even put that together, but that's a perfect example. I hate that movie. Yes. <laughs> if, if anyone is ever looking to be depressed for five months, I highly recommend watching oh, Lars von Trier's In your life, watch that movie. I, Dude, I to be a complete bummer, I watched that two months after my dad passed away, and I was just like, oh. fuck. I'm like, I looked at my wife, I'm like, I'm getting drunk. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> it's extremely devastating and it really it's like a group of people including a child sitting together and waiting for their death and the world they, to end. Yeah. yeah they wait for the world to end and it approaches in the same way that the hex does um the scene with the kids was like extremely devastating and as the scene started i turned to cole i was like why do i feel like they're gonna murder them right now they're gonna like put pillows over their faces and kill these oh, kids this God. feels so dark it just felt so dark one, and so sad one of the scenes more like she'd like put bleach in their soup or something okay thank you <laughs> much nicer that old sokovian spice yeah <laughs> yeah clorox yeah again um, Downerfest 2008. (laughs) It was very sad. It was very emotional. Like we said earlier, despite all of my ranting and raving in this app that I've done so far during this podcast, I did overall really love this show. And I liked the parts of this episode that really had the emotional resonance. I, I think it was really, really well done. And I mean, yeah, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are amazing, and they're like, goodbye for now thing. It it also felt like a comic book. It felt like the ending of an issue or the ending of a omnibus or something, whatever you would call it, a collection. <laughs> and uh, because sometimes these characters die in some form, but then they come back, and uh, I know that that's kind of like some people might see that as like shitty in movies, like either kill them or don't like don't half ass it. But in this case, like I thought it was the logical ending for this particular show with how it started. There's only one way it could have ended. It had to have ended like this with everything falling apart and Wanda kind of coming to terms with what she did and vision just not being there anymore. So I did. I did like those aspects of the episode for sure. Cool. Um, when it came to the fights with Agatha, I, I wasn't super into them just because they felt like kind of. It felt like very standard superhero stuff, and what I was kind of realizing while watching the finale is that like what I really liked about the show, they kind of. I mean, they kind of let it go maybe an episode or two beforehand. I really liked how they 
managed to pull off this like very like creepy tone uh, where they're like doing a very straightforward sitcom thing. And then all of a sudden you realize like things are like fucked up and like something really wrong is happening, but no one knows why. And it's like frightening. That's what really like drew me into the show. And, and I understand why, you know, they didn't really delve into that in, in the final few episodes, but it, it, it did, it did really kind of make me think like, Oh, this kind of, just became like a, a standard Marvel thing, which I, I guess I expected to a certain degree, but um, I, I guess I wish there had been more time spent with the other characters and more time kind of answering some of the lingering questions they left unanswered and less time with like a Dragon Ball Z fight. And I think they do like kind of like two, and I feel like that was just like maybe like more than we needed. Like I would have been fine with just one. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that crazy about that. I did really like visions final fight with yeah. white vision. That was great. Um, that was sort of, that's kind of more of the subversion that, that, that I was liking from earlier in the show that, that they did here. Just like, you know, it's not a fist fight. It's like a mind fight or like a logic fight. It was like a Captain Kirk thing. And when um, the emotional end. Yeah, yeah. But um, despite my issues with the episode, I did think they really nailed all the emotional stuff with the kids and, and Wanda and Vision. And that's ultimately the most important part of the show. And I think they handled that really well. I, I, I really did like the way how they made this like a witch origin show. And I, I thought the way they made her you know, kind of come into that persona uh, was really compelling and, and, and cool and interesting. And I really liked where they kind of left her off at the end of it. Um, can we can we talk about the post-credits scene or, or is that kind of beyond what yeah, we're talking I'm about? To, oh, I'm going to wrap the post-credits stuff into the your episode rating. And so okay. we're going to So can... Okay, well, I'll, I'll talk about it then. But I, I just, I liked where Wanda ended up in the show. I thought she started in one place, ended in another. Same with vision. You know, I, I like that. Like they, because they like did such a poor job with the other characters. I actually liked that. They followed up with vision where he says, I don't know who I am. I don't know like what I am. And they actually answered that like really well. And it was, uh, yeah. I think very provocative and, 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 um, it, it just, it was good. It, it worked. Oh, I also wanted to add that uh, Scarlet Witch's costume was fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And I like that it's practical and like her tits aren't out, which is nice. And like it looks cool. Like uh, I'm into that. It's mm-hmm. very nice. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, Ken. Yeah, uh, I pretty much agree with both Kat and Cole. I think a big surprise that I had is that. Uh, with me being a fan of like the X-Men comics, when they killed uh, Quicksilver in Age of Ultron, ever, ever since then, I've had quite a heavy sense of confusion at the idea of just having Wanda by herself in these films, where in the comics she does function well by herself, but in very few stories in my opinion. So I always found myself thinking, like, God, like you have this character that it's probably going to be impossible to ever make people care about. And this series totally made me shut the hell up about that, where, like, wow, I care about Wanda. And 
yeah, my biggest takeaway is being very pleased with the fact that she's at a different place than where she started. And when you even think about where she started initially, like, you know, post Endgame into the start of this series, she didn't have any direction. She didn't have anywhere to go. She didn't have any home. Like, she didn't have anything to really do. So to know that going forward, she does have, you know, at least goals and tasks, it makes it a lot more compelling. And the emotional aspect for me, yeah, this series really highlighted something that I've been feeling for a while in regards to MCU, where... I even think about in the context of like the Spider-Man films and like even with Black Panther, where those films to me are their best when it's just the characters interacting and talking. And anytime the films would remind me of MCU stuff, and this is hysterical because I'm such a big comic book fan, but anytime it would remind me of the overarching Marvel stuff, I would just think, okay, I know, but can I see Peter and his best friend talk again? Like, I don't, I don't care about this MCU stuff. So that's kind of where I am now with uh, Marvel in a way where, I mean, knowing that I could have a show like this where at the end of it, Wanda and Vision are talking the way they were. And, I mean, God, there's kids who are going to watch this show and, like, that scene's going to go completely over their heads, but they still put that in there. So I really like that. That's, yeah. That kind of saved the finale for me. Like, not that I thought it was awful prior, but it definitely, like, put it up a notch for me, having that emotional resonance there. Al? So I want you to engage those two questions I posted, put out there, and then you're, we're going to move into the final segment, which is the uh, your hex rating. Is it gas or is it trash? <laughs> Allie and the uh, and the series overarching. So you'll be the first one to answer that. Awesome. Yeah. So um, for, for I guess for the fights for the for the end cinematic kind of fights, um, I thought they were fine. I thought they were standard MCU. F- Flair, I thought it would, I thought it was one thing I noted was you know the the vision fight I'm like this is going to be exactly what I think it's going to be and then we get the library scene I was like oh that's really cool and then the start of the start and the finish of the Wanda and Agatha fight I was like all right this is what we were expected this is what we figured but then we get the moment where Wanda brings Agnes back to Salem. And I was like, oh, this is kind of reminiscent of being in the different worlds and realities in Doctor Strange. And I was like, oh, that's kind of like a almost like a neat, like, you know, little nod slash like kind of premonition for what we're going to see next. So I thought that was interesting. You want to say I like that she did that like nightmare thing that she literally hadn't done since Age of Ultron, where it was like the ring girl. (laughs) I was so happy that again. Yeah, and it's funny too because, and I was gonna, I was literally gonna bring that up in the sense that something that Rob said on the last pod was like he really wanted to see the heel turn for for Wanda and her to become the villain, right at the end. And I think we really get like the most extreme anti-hero of the current MCU now, like with her character in the sense that like she literally terrorized these innocent people for a pretty extended period of time to the point that they want to kill themselves. And not only that does not learn her lesson and traps Agnes in the exact same way. So I was like, Oh, that's interesting that they're going this route because we're basically getting like, and again, we'll talk about it with the, um, actually I can talk about it now in the sense of the final after credit that we get, which I didn't, I almost didn't see. And I'm like, wait, there's way too much time left. And I fast forward. I was like, oh, I tell you, watch. 
No, no. I was like, I think I texted like for the after credits. Yeah, I messaged you saying there's two. Um, So seeing her as almost like the dark Doctor Strange, like this almost like not sinister, but in the sense of just like something's not right here. Like we were told in these last couple episodes that like this she needs to be stopped like chaos magic needs to stop there shouldn't be a scarlet witch like it's way too much power right like so i like that setup and i think it's interesting to see how she's going to play a bigger role as this new incarnation going into um the rest of the mcu and i thought they did a great job in terms of setting that up well and does, setting up does, her does importance say that like she's destined to destroy the world or something yeah. like that yeah that's fucking awesome like, i mean make it happen strange villain <laughs> there you go there you go so um i and i think that like you know a lot of the rumors and theories about like yo we're gonna get mefesto like and, and all that and we haven't even talked about it yet in this podcast but like seeing seeing her end of this of like like seeing where she ends up at the end of this i'm like i'm almost glad that we didn't get like a, a late inning uh, another MCU villain hand-fisted into the show, and then one episode describing that he was the one that was controlling Agnes all along. I'm like, fuck that. Like, I'm so glad they didn't do that. I'm actually very happy. And the same thing with, you can make the same argument about the mutants in the sense of like, man, it's it's going to be great to see them eventually in the MCU, but it's like, is this really the way that we want to see their introduction as like the D-plot of a story? Like, I don't know. Um, but I, I thought where we left Wanda and whatever vision that we ended up with, um, I thought that was the thing that from the start is what I wanted to see at the end. And everything else was just kind of bonus, getting to see Jimmy Woo again, getting to see the greatest payoff in, in cinematic history with him learning close-up magic. Like, those were all just bonuses for me. And Monica, the same way of, like, getting her proper reintroduction in the MCU and seeing where she's going to go from there. Like, that's all gravy, but, like, the thing that they had to nail was, like, why do I care about Wanda and Vision? And I think they nailed that by the end. So I'm very happy with that. Yes or trash, let's go with uh, the finale. One to ten hexes. Okay, so this one I want to be safe with because I don't want anyone to murder me on this podcast. I I will say... Space out, non-judgmental, and we love you. I will... I uh, will yourself, say, I judge, yeah. uh, Ken and I will judge out. I w- will say that the finale, like most finales, like I had the most problems with um, out of any of the episodes from the, the regular, you know, the first eight episodes. Um, and which historically, if you go back, I rate very high. So for this, I will rate it 7.5. And that's still pretty high in that sense but i mean you could you can see just from everything that we've discussed of like you know did they nail it no could they have yes um and i think i was less disappointed with the things that i was theorizing like the mailman come on that would have been great i felt bad um I, I felt less bad about that and more bad about like just the the overall writing slash execution of some of the aspects in the finale. But the things that they nailed outweighed the things that they didn't. So 
seven and a half out of ten. And then the series overall, I mean, I have to give it a pretty high rating. I just what what a fun last like eight weeks this been is just doing this show with you guys was just a fucking blast because we like I don't think I've ever theorized about a show this much in my life. And I just like the conversations that we had from it were great. So I would probably give it a nine, nine out of ten hexes. Uh, just from the just the overall enjoyment that I had from the show. All right, Ken, because I'm going to go in reverse order of the last question. So, Ken, uh, your overall rating of one to ten hexes for the C- the finale. Yeah. So for the episode, I'll be honest, I it might be a very harsh thing to say, but I think I'm giving it a six out of ten. I love the emotional aspect. I love the acting and. I didn't really bring up how I felt about the battle. I thought the battle was, uh, the cinematography was amazing. It was nice to look at. Um, the thing with Wanda doing the hexes, I remember thinking to myself, when did she learn to do that? But whatever, whatever. I don't, what, what do I know? Quick uh, but I think I'm giving a six out of 10 because for as enjoyable as it was and as well put together as it was, it was just such typical third act of an MCU film. And I think that's where I was disappointed, where if I compare that finale to the first episode of the season, it's it's almost wild how night and day it is. So for the finale, I'll have to give it a six. As the series as a whole, I'd give it an eight, because this the way I feel about shows and movies now is that the beginning and the ending of them don't matter to me as much as the overall journey. And when I think about everything I experienced thus far prior to the finale... I feel generally got a lot more enjoyment and a lot more surprise at what they're able to accomplish, especially in the context of the sitcoms and the framing of that. So, and it's still, I still stand by something I said on a previous episode, how watching that transpire really made me think about how there really is a a lack of that in TV today of just like innovative, creative approaches to highlighting different tropes and ideas. So yeah, I'd give the series an eight, and also I love the fact that everyone's fan theories are wrong. I love when fanboys are wrong, and God, does that make me happy? It's just hilarious. Because at the end of the day, if we could predict what the show is gonna, the show or movie is gonna do, then I won't love it as much. So yeah. I always like when theories are wrong. All right, so uh, California kids, I'm gonna start with Cole first. Uh, your uh, series eight or state final episode rating on a scale one to ten hexes. For the final episode, I would say, and I mean, I've given pretty high ratings to most of the episodes. I think, I don't think I've gone below like an eight out of 10. I think I'd give this one just a six and a half um, because they do nail the emotional aspects of the episode. Um, They do a lot of good stuff with Wanda, they do a lot of good setting up in that regard. Um, I, I just, I was kind of just let down by the plot mechanics of the show and not, not that I ever really, I don't, I don't think I ever like really totally bought into the fact that this show was going to introduce mutants or Mephisto or multiverses or fantastic four. I wouldn't have been surprised if they had done that. And I, I would have been happy if one or two of those had happened. Um, I, I, it never clicked to me how they could all happen. Um, but I, I, I think I was just kind of let down by the amount of Mr. X, just, just all the stuff with Donnie, 
Um, the stuff with the mailman, and and again, it's not like I thought the mailman would be Mephisto, but when I go back and watch the show, like now I'm wondering, like, why are there these weird moments specifically with the mailman? But like, he's like nobody, and there's like nothing to come of that, you know? It's it's something, it's stuff like that that makes that kind of makes the show uneven to me because it just feels like. I don't know. It feels like a mistake or, or like they had to like do something behind the scenes. Um, we, we haven't brought it up, but you put in the, our group chat about how they, they tease the aerospace engineer who they never reveal. Mm-hmm. And apparently they were going to reveal it to be somebody, but because Marvel had been monitoring that, everyone was theorizing it was going to be Reed Richards. I guess they got cold feet about it and then just didn't answer it because they were worried it would like disappoint people because it, it wasn't Reed Richards. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if it was blue marble then because he was like a newer character. I, I, I think he was just not someone even in the conversation and someone who was not relevant and not relevant, but someone who was just not, going to be worthwhile for people to give a shit about and i think it it was you can would you say the the actress who who plays monica rambo i want to say her name is tayana tayana paris thank you she said herself i read an amazing new york times article with her first of all she's a huge mcu fan she like lost her shit when she like got cast in this even though she had no idea who who she was cast as that's cool um she said herself I cannot wait until people see who the aerospace engineer is because it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, not to say anything against her in any way, but you could almost make the same argument about Paul Bettany talking about the person he was super excited to act with. And well, it turned out to be intentional trolling though. It sounded like, it sounded like they had someone like it was something. And then they just decided to hold back on it for some reason. And I don't know why. Uh, Maybe it's Nova. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. That would have been cool too. Yeah. I no. Mean, I, I I think it might have been Riri Williams. I think they would have set no. it up for the Iron Heart show because she's already been cast. It, it would make again. Sense. I think they would. People would have been happy about that. No. I think. I think well, <laughs> yeah, they would because yeah, it was, some chick. I want to read Richard. Yeah. No, 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 no. Okay, let's try this again. It's a lot of chuds. I do think, you remember? Do you, I think people oh, would have oh, been do you remember okay how with re- it. Oh, do you remember how people react to this on John Boyega and the Force Awakens trailer? No, people wouldn't want Okay, that's true. But, <laughs> so it's not, but it's not like Riri was someone that they haven't announced was going to be part of the MCU. Right. Like, I guess it's like... I mean, that's my, that's my getting, getting Riri Williams instead of um, Reed Richards is like getting a cookie for your birthday instead of like a cake. You'd be like, this is awesome, but what, like, what is this? I would have been so I mean, happy. I know what cookie is. I, like, so, like, yes, I gotta take what I can get. I would have been so uh, happy as fuck cake. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but that, that's all just... That's all just to say... Um, Sorry. You know, like it, it disappointed me that they didn't. I again, I wasn't, I wasn't committed to any fan theories. I thought they, some of them might happen. I was, did I couldn't really see how many of them could happen. But I was disappointed that they didn't bother answering certain things, or they kind of let things go, or they didn't pay things off. There, there's a lot of setup and like 
not nearly as, as much payoff as, as I was hoping for. But, you know, this... Sorry, what? No, I was going to say, did anyone else think that we were going to find out the aerospace person in the theater? Or was that just me? Yeah! Yes! Absolutely! Okay. Of course! Absolutely! And to see that it was another scroll, um, just like at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home, which was... That was another thing that really annoyed me. Um, <laughs> but... Um, I like the scroll. Yeah, I, Sorry, I like the scroll reveal of uh, Nick Fury in, in Far From Home, but that can be a different. We could do a whole podcast about that. Cause Cole, I, I know you have issues with that movie. How many, I, I how many end credits have been like, "Hey, uh, Nick Fury, have you heard about this thing called the Avengers?" It's like, bro, that's 2006. Like, get out of here. We're three? done with that. Show me something new. Cole, I, I've interrupted you. Too I like I like Please the scroll finish. thing too. Thank for you. the record. Yes. Okay, I, so it, it, it didn't bother me that it was scrolls. It just reminded me of Spider-Man Far From Home, and that annoyed me. Um, but also, the other post-credits scene reminded me of The Incredible Hulk. It was like the exact same ending, pretty much, where she's in a cabin in, like, I don't know, Nova Scotia, and she like has like a sinister glare at the camera, and we're unsure if she's good or bad or, or whatever. Um, anyways, all that to say... Yeah, disappointed that they didn't pay off certain things that they had. I feel they had clearly set up. Um, just from a storytelling perspective, it's uh, it's like I don't know. It, it's like the cinematic equivalent of of blue balls. Um, but the series overall, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it episode to episode. I, I loved the the tone that they struck with it. I, I loved the weirdness that they kind of delved into, and I, I thought they did a great job with with Wanda and Vision, kind of fleshing those characters out. So, you know, even though it was a bit disappointing, I can't uh, I can't like write it off completely. And it's it's definitely something I would watch again, like all the way through. And, so, yeah, I mean, this episode, I'd, I'd give a six and a half out of ten or six and a half hexes out of ten. Um, the series overall, I'd give like an eight and a half. Um, it was really good. I'm, I'm sad it's done. And I'm, <laughs> I am looking forward to Falcon and Winter Soldier. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, this isn't like hooking me in the same way WandaVision did. I- like, this like this just looks more of the same. WandaVision tried to do something else, ended up being a bit more of the same, but managed to I think overall keep its integrity. So that's how I feel. Cat, your take on your rating on the fin- uh, finale and the entire series. Uh, well, for the final episode, I mean, th- there's still so much that I feel like we haven't even talked about. I, um, I, I really want to take a moment and just talk about how deeply disappointed I am in the entire character of Hayward. Um, nothing about his character makes any fucking sense. I don't understand his intentions. If his intention was to make a weapon out of vision, then he's probably the dumbest person in the entire MCU because he went about it truly the wrong way in every single sense. I don't know why he lied about what Wanda was doing. I don't know why he wanted to take over S.W.O.R.D. I don't know why he was doing anything. I don't know why he saw two kids and decided to shoot them. I don't know what he thought that was going to accomplish other than to get Wanda upset. Why did he want to kill Wanda? 
Why did I don't know, honey. I don't know. I don't. Okay. <laughs> can, I, can I also bring up something? Yes. Not related to Hayward, but actually with Agatha. Yes. Throughout the whole series, we're seeing Agatha pushing Wanda towards uh, procreating children with vision. I mean, I, 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 it's subtle, but I think it's clear when you kind of watch it with that in mind. And she wants to be alone with the kids. She wants, yeah. she, she wants to be alone with the kids, but it turns out at the end she just wanted Wanda's power. Yeah. And that, to me, like doesn't add up. Yeah, I um, I mostly feel very confused um, because I feel like this final episode was written by someone who was not at all remotely involved in every other episode of the show. It just feels so, so out of left field, um, which is such a bummer because I loved so much about the show and enjoyed watching it week to week, but... Like, I don't want to be sitting there in the final episode and being reminded of the ending of How I Met Your Mother, which was a show that was great Damn. and had, <laughs> it had an amazing final season. You see these characters grow. Barney Stinson goes from a piece of shit to, like, a truly solid man. And in the last 20 minutes, this show completely undoes all of the work that it spent nine seasons doing. And still, the end of that show, people had issues with. And it was kind of like this episode. Like, it's so bizarre to me how the people who have such thoughtfulness and such detail to, like, having the same stairwell from the Brady Bunch and having Vision play with a Kitty Carriol doll and having the same layout as uh, a Dick Van Dyke kitchen putting naughty on Agatha's butt like an episode before you reveal that she's the villain. The people who had all of those really small, like thoughtful intentions are the same people who thought that Monica Rambeau should say, you know what? These people will never understand what you sacrificed for them, Wanda. And that is the most baffling fucking thing I, I have ever seen in a television show. It's like the polar opposite of the uh, grief is the persistence of love. Or exactly. Exactly. The the line that everybody loves. It, I, I'm not someone who's obsessed with fan theories. Sure, we had a bunch on this show. My only true fan theory the entire time was that Agatha was bad, and that turned out to be true. Very true. Fine. I, I didn't... And you know what? That was satisfying. It was satisfying. And I, I didn't even know who fucking Mephisto was until everyone in every comment section was like, it's happening! I was like, I don't know who that is. I don't read comics. I, I, I don't, He's the devil. Yeah, I got that. The devil. I, I, like, I didn't need any of that. I, I like, To me, the show like actually meant something because it's the first time that we have a Marvel property that is female-led. Sorry, I haven't seen Black Widow yet because a pandemic happened. Well, this is the first... Marvel. No one did. I'm, I'm no, no one saw Black Widow. This is the first time um, something good was done with a uh, oh, female-led okay. property in Marvel, and I actually cared about the character. And you also have, like a somewhat interesting female villain who's doing something like you have the origin story of another female hero in a really, really fucking cool way. And we don't always see the origin of a lot of these heroes. So that was really awesome to see it happen in real time, but it's just, I don't know how the same people who could develop 
such a strong story arc for Wanda and Vision are the same people who wrote a story arc, quote unquote, for Hayward, who wrote things that Darcy should do. Like, it's it's just so disjointed that it, like, truly baffles me. Um, I would give the final episode a six and a half. There are really great, beautiful moments, but it's just... Like, what the fuck happens? <laughs> the more I think about it, the more I'm just like... The more I think about it, the more I think COVID had something to do with it. It really does feel like something happened with like, the writing and scheduling. Like, you're you're running a race, uh, and you're ahead by five miles, and you just, like, fucking bail in the last 100 yards. Literally, how do you fuck this up so much? Sorry about Anyway. This. Yeah. It's... I know it sounds like I'm being dramatic, but it's just like, wow, it, there's just a few, few small things could have made this great, but instead it just was like typical MCU bullshit. Um, for the show overall, I mean, I will never forget the feeling of watching those first three or four episodes of just trying to figure out what is happening, being so like charmed and enamored with all of these connections to old sitcoms and like seeing these characters in a new light, like, wow, I miss that show. Like that was an amazing show. And I really loved that. Um, I'd say overall, I would probably give this show an eight and a half. If you had asked me before the finale, I probably would have said it's a 10. There's nothing they could do to ruin it. <laughs> I was wrong. They ruined it in the end. Um, but a ruin. They definitely they fucked it's, up. It's it's sullied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it, ruined ruins harsh. Yeah, I, I, I am. I'm being harsh, but you could be harsh. Like the show ruined the whole show. You know what it is? I'm like I'm like being like the teacher right now. That's so disappointed in like the A <laughs> student. It's like, dude, you were there. Like. If this show was, like, shitty to begin with, I'd be like, all right, whatever. Who cares? Like, it's fine entertainment. But it was so close to being, like, all-time great. But it just wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, I also also choked that up to, like, finales, like, almost never living up to the expectations that people set out for it. Like, it's it's so rare. It's true. Not not every show. So rare for a finale to get it. Not every show could be Mad Men, and not every show could end with... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say I didn't have high expectations for the finale based on just how good the show had been, but I, I mean, my bare minimum expectations were just pay off the things you set, set up and, you know, in some first they did for some things and it was great. They did for other things and I didn't like it, but even like something like that, I can forgive. But then, like just not paying them off to yeah. me is like that's the most egregious thing. Yeah. The, the w- one last thing I'll say to really close this off is the reason that I feel the way I do is because my absolute least favorite thing in film, TV, books, anything is when the story itself um, really encourage you encourages you to care about a certain thing. They tell you, like, yes, care about this. This is important. And then you do. And then that property goes around and immediately says, why the fuck did you care about this, you idiot? Um, The only reason I even remotely cared at all about who the 
aerospace engineer was is because the show seemed to make a big deal of it. I mean, Otherwise, if, I wouldn't have cared. If they had mentioned it once, I could let it go. But they mentioned it, like, several times. Yes. And they literally yes. have a scene where they're driving to meet the person. So that was a point of it. So yes. for, for me, I look at the finale as um, I feel like Marvel got cold feet. I feel like there was a there was a finale. They got to it and they're like, "Oh, we can't do this." Yeah. And so they had to they had to change. There had to be a, a, a left turn. Now, whether it was cold feet, whether it was COVID related, due to logistically, we can't do it because we don't have the actors, we don't have this, we don't have that. I which you know, listen, if that's the reason. There's nothing you can do about that. I mean, they, they no. still got a really good show. Uh, I give this uh, final episode a uh, 7 out of 10. Uh, I felt like there was a lot of things that were never wrapped up throughout the series. And I think this kind of crystallized, like, Kat, what you were saying. It was like they wanted you to pay attention to everything. Then they were like, well, why were you paying attention to everything? And yes. they're like, okay. But, again, what saved this episode from its inconsistencies was just how great Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are together and individually. They're so great that they could just, they were just literally just like, okay, we'll put the episode on our back. Don't worry about it. And you know what? Everyone remembers the ending and the ending is what people are going to remember more than Monica sitting on the stop in in a few weeks. I'm saying (laughs) we're going to remember that final moment. We'll be we'll remember them looking at each other with vision with his, you know, turtleneck on and, you know, just them staring at each other and and giving this great having this great moment more than we will. Darcy hitting, you know, Captain Assface with uh, a funnel cake truck. You know what I mean? We'll remember that moment. And that's really cool. And uh, so that's why I'm going to rate that episode highly Um, for the series. I'm going to give this an eight out of ten. There was so many stories that they did not pay off on. Um, again, I guess I'm just going to assume my theory about Sparky was right and he was the beekeeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you might as well. I might as well. It was just like that. Kind of, it, yeah. it was like, hey, we never. The beekeeper was such an important thing in episode two, and episode, and then we then we explained it, but we never showed you what happened. Dottie, um, we never really paid off with her, you know, and we never paid off with. Uh, Jimmy Woo, who he was chasing, all stuff like that. There was just these stories that you just you mentioned these plot things that are like, ah, no one's paying attention. We're just going to do this. You know, you're paying attention to the sitcom stuff. We're put fake Pietro in there. Who cares about the other stuff? And it's just like people really do care because what the writing of this show proved was that Marvel can really write a good mystery box show. We were all hooked on this show about two side characters from the Avengers who like everyone's like, ah, but when we saw the trailer, every one of us was like, I'm in, I haven't finished the MCU since I, I haven't, I have like seven films in the MCU. I have to get through still yet. I was here every single week to watch a show about this because it was such an, an a unique concept and the way they executed it. In the beginning was so great up until the Halloween episode, which I still think is one of my favorite episodes. Like they did such a great job with attention to detail and making it creepy, giving it the Twin Peaks vibe. But I feel like they got cold feet and were like, we don't know if the MCU fan can really stomach what we're going to do. 
or we have to fit this certain, you know, it's, it doesn't feel Marvel enough. And I feel like that's a shame. However, I'm glad that we saw this show was so popular that maybe Marvel says we can get weird. We could do unique things with how we present stories and we could really benefit from that. Yeah, maybe Wanda didn't finish strong, but the fact enough people were in on this weird concept of a show, because even at the end of the day, even though the ending was very MCU, it's still a weird ass show. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're going to be like, hey, let's just play with genre going forward. Let's do different things with these different shows. And I'm 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 here for that. I don't want to see a, like an MCU film for every series. Hey, Falcon and Winter Soldier looks like a run and gun buddy cop film. Loki looks like Doctor Who capers, you know, through space and time. Cool. <laughs> Let's do that. So I give it an eight. This was a, this was a really good series. I'm like I said, I'm going to miss it. And um, most importantly, I'm going to kind of wrap the episode up because I'm going to miss doing this series with uh, with you guys every single week. Cat and Cole, it's been awesome. You know, talking with you guys every single week. Ken, it's been great. I feel like Ken's having a heart attack over there. Um, uh, he's like grabbing his chest. I'm just like, uh, you know, I'm, you know, Ken having you on coming back was great. And everyone who was on the show, like Nick and Rachel and Alex, um, I'm forgetting people, I'm sure. Al, can you remind me who else I've, I've been a guest on the show? Rob. 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 Yeah. Rachel. So, Rachel. Um, Nick. Nick. Alex. Alex. Yeah. So thank you, Ken guys. Cole, Ken. Yeah, well, I mean, I think um, and Monroe and Diego. And Monroe, yeah. Monroe and had some feelings. Monroe was eloquent <laughs> about Hayward and Paige yeah. Pietro. Um, yeah. So, guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, let's get everyone's uh, everyone get their plugs in. So, Ken, you are the guest of honor. Um, where can people find you on social media? Talk about your lovely podcast as well. Oh, shucks. Thank you so much. Well, uh, currently I'm in the second season of my podcast, A New Exchange, which is a podcast all about interesting people sharing their stories and the fact that every human being has a story to tell. And it's fucking great. So go listen to it. You can find it streaming literally anywhere you listen to podcasts. And yeah, it's pretty fucking great. It's one of the best podcasts in the world. It honestly is. And um. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Kenami Photo. That is K-E-N-A-M-I. And photo, spelt the American way. Not that weird European way. An F is not a P-H. It just is not. And the letter Z is not Z. It's Z. Um, <laughs> Cat and Cole tells for people could find you guys online. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd. It's under my name, Cole Rothacker, R-O-T-H-A-C-K-E-R. And uh, that's where you'll see my pop culture recommendation, whatever they may be. Um, also, follow me on Letterboxd. My handle is cat underscore wild. That's cat with a K and wild with an E. And if you think about uh, going to any of my social media, uh, don't do that. Instead, go listen to Ken's podcast. Um, if you're opening up Instagram, go to Al's where he's posting uh, one photo a day. Al, why don't you tell us more about that? Oh, thank you so much, Kat. Um, yeah, go listen to Ken's podcast. That's my plug. Um, no, you can uh, you can follow me at Al Manorino on Twitter and Instagram. On Instagram, I'm posting one photo a day from my archives because I miss taking photos um, on a 
more frequent basis or any basis whatsoever because I haven't taken I haven't taken my camera out in so long. It's been really depressing. Uh, Ken, let's go shoot one day. Um, but yeah, uh, at Al Manorino, Twitter and Instagram, and uh, that's about it. Uh, of course, if you're a fan of the Socially Distanced Podcast, get ready for our next week's episode where we have a very special guest. That is Eddie Pence. He's a comedian who is also the uh, co-host slash rear admiral of the Ralph Report, which is hosted by Ralph Garman. Ralph Garman, of course, famously, Al, correct me if I'm wrong, of Kevin Smith's Hollywood Babylon podcast. Uh, we have a this is a, one of our favorite podcasts uh, i think i ranked it up uh for, it's actually our second interview podcast too we also have another interview down in the works we're working on i'm not going to release who that is just yet it's pretty cool yeah. and we will be uh i think upcoming episodes of this podcast include possibly a snyder cut podcast which i probably won't be involved in and um and we will be reviewing the falcon and the winter soldiers first two episodes if you want to follow and please, if you're listening, wherever you're listening to this, rate, review, subscribe to to the Socially Distance Podcast. That would be wonderful of you. If you need to, if you need to follow me on social media, I'm at Bodkin Writes W R I T E S. It's mostly just like wrestling stuff. So if you like wrestling, that's me. Uh, and Pop Break retweets, of course. Uh, check out thepopbreak.com every single day. We've celebrating our hold on math real quick 12th anniversary this year and we are covering film television music comic books digital trends anime and pro wrestling and uh, we have a bevy of podcasts uh you can go to apple uh google anchor and spotify and you can look up pop break tv which is our hub for all our TV-related podcasts. We have the Way Too Early Oscar podcast, which is Matt and Marissa. They're going to be uh, doing blanket coverage of all the Oscars stuff coming up in the next few months. And then they have after that, they'll have their uh, third season of the uh, Winter Still Is podcast, which is their retro Oscar podcast. And, of course, check out our new hub for the Breakcast, which is going to kind of a uh, going to be um, where we're going to have some music podcasts. I'm going to be hosting a pro wrestling podcast with comedian Melissa Jobin. And we're going to also have a couple other podcasts in there as well. So follow Pop Break on Twitter at the Pop Break forward slash popbreak.com all spelled out on Facebook and at the Pop Break on Instagram. So we're now going to head into our uh, guest uh reactions and thoughts about wandavision so thank you for joining us for the last nine weeks of the wanda distance miniseries on the socially distance podcast <laughs>